0: In Confessions of a Winning Poker Player, Jack King said, few players recall big pots they've won, strange as it seems, but every player can remember with remarkable accuracy the outstanding tough beats of his career. It seems true to me, because walking in here, I can hardly remember how I built my bankroll, but I can't stop thinking of how I lost it. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izegary. And this is Filmgasm. (laughs) All right, we're back with our uh, anniversary run of amazing films here. Uh, We're doing Rounders, 1998, turns 25 this year. Crazy. I love this movie to death. It's one of one of the rewatchables of my life, a, a five star movie through and through that has its flaws. And I just don't care. Uh, I'm totally obsessed. So let's uh, let's jump right in. Um, I want to ask you about your journey with this movie. Did you watch this because of me? <laughs> the first
1: time I ever watched this, it was 100 percent because of you. I had never <laughs> heard of this. And I, I think it was on Netflix or something. And you just randomly brought it up. And I'm like, what's rounders? And you're like, dude. and i watched it and i immediately understood your love for it like you know you put matt damon edward norton at a poker table magic's gonna happen (laughs) and uh this was only my second time with rounders uh i had since i had since bought it on blu-ray so i had easy access to it and it was just just a fun movie about you know that big win the big score the the you know the 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 giant pot of money in the sky that every gambler knows they can get you know it's it's gambling movies are so fascinating because it's like it's an addiction movie that you can have fun with
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a great way of putting it uh yeah they're especially rounders and I think a lot of the great you know poker gambling movies are you know they're they're basically sports movies and they're built kind of like a like a rocky style like prototype like <laughs> this guy you know especially with rounders at the very beginning here's this guy going against like a giant a giant of the game locally in, in New York he loses to him in like crazy fashion like oh man you know like as if Teddy KGB fucking like uppercut him and he's like oh damn like I didn't see that coming and then he you know steps away from the game for a little bit then like this weird wacko guy brings him back into the ring and he like builds his way back up builds his way back up and then on his own merit, he kind of he kind of does it all on his own at the end and goes back to go not not just to win the money and prove to this guy that he owes the money to he wants to beat Teddy KGB straight up mono y mono he wants to he wants to beat this guy and and he, you know of course it's predictable as hell but who cares i think the i think the rewarding thing about it the rewatchability of it is the the uh one of my favorite things about about a sports movie, or, or you know, whether it's baseball, basketball, poker, is it is when is when they don't hold your hand, so, meaning the dialogue at the at the table, it's not spelling it out for you. If you don't know what's going on, you you don't really know what's going on. It 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 uh, rewards someone who does know how to play poker, but it also makes it super interesting. to Someone who has no idea what happens at a poker table, uh, you know, when you're you know the game is you know texas texas holdem you know no limit holdem you know and you're watching these guys with these weird you know crazy hands and you're you're like what, what what does that mean you know what what does this mean on the flop you know and it either can be really rewarding or it can be like oh that just intrigued me you know it's kind of a win win and i think also the time the movie came out is a win win because poker was exploding there's the world world series of poker on espn that was just starting to gain steam and then by the like early to mid 2000s they really figured out how to, to market this thing, this poker, like, to make people want to watch it on fucking TV. And I think the biggest decision they made was, I think in two thousand one or two thousand two, they started showing. Um, so, if there is five players at the table, they started showing on the TV who had what. So, if it's if the game is hold'em, that you would see, uh, you know, Chan has these two cards; he has a jack and an, and an ace, or whatever. So, you would also be able to kind of play with them. And then it became super immersive. It was like, oh, let's, you know, hang out with the boys. Let's play our own game of poker, but also watch the World Series of Poker on TV. And it's still going, you know? It's amazing. It's amazing that this game, this, you know, silly game with cards where you have flushes and straights and all these different things, uh, you know, four of a kind and, you know, uh, jacks over nines, you know, stuff like that. It's like wicked popular. And I think rounders came out at the perfect time where it didn't make a ton of money when it came out but it certainly helped the sport and inspired people to play, to want to play because it looks fucking cool in the movie.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. I've always wanted to be good at this game and I'm not at all, but um, I love the, the intimacy of it. Like you're not playing a game. You're playing the man, like, you yeah, know, you're reading people. You're it's, it, you're more of a, it's more of a behavior game than it is about cards. And I, I love these films that really, Amp that up. Like one of my favorite lines from Casino Royale, for instance, is when Bond's oh. talking about the game and he says, You never play your hand, you play the man across from you. Like it's all about figuring out people and how they can lie without saying a word to you. It's that's the most fascinating aspect of this game for me. It's like I, I want to learn how to read people so I can be a good card player.
0: Yeah. So so that's that's a great way to go into to to my my first question of two. I have two I have two questions one of them after this is gonna be quite difficult and very fun but this first one is are you are you a a a gamer I mean I know you like certain you know maybe board games but are you a card player uh have you have you ever tried to like play poker with the boys like is there you know from what I hear there's like somewhat of a draw that you want to be good at it is there has there been a, a chance for you to to do that um I'm not gonna lie
1: um Whenever I'm in Vegas and I see the tables, I'm intimidated because I don't want to be the guy who's like, what, what what's a big blind? What does that mean? I don't want to gum up the works and piss yeah. off everyone's game. Cause I know that's going to happen. So I definitely have to put some work into it. There's definitely like, it's a, it's a life skill I'd like to have, but I, it's not at the top of my priority list. And honestly, my game more is blackjack. Yeah. Blackjack's great. Yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, uh, around halloween my uncle would host a blackjack game with me and my cousins and we would use we'd bet our candy yeah oh i and love that love that, that was that was the bomb like and there were no like there were no give like if you lost your candy you lost your fucking candy that was it yeah yeah <laughs> and we were like 10 11 like so that was a big deal <laughs> and, i love that yeah that's was a fond memory we had, he had this big cauldron full of like lollipops and shit and he'd give us all like you know our 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 chips and we'd ante up and that's how i learned how to play blackjack
0: (laughs) yeah you know blackjack's a great game uh also also a big big time where you want you want to read things that are going on and know what that know what the numbers add up to know what these different things mean and and the coolest thing about blackjack is I, i just went to vegas in july and while i i love playing i absolutely love playing and i will set a table i don't mind I don't mind that feeling of being around people that are just way better than me. The problem for me is is the money. That too. Is the funds. The funds to actually be able to play for a long time rather than just kind of play for like an hour. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Brianna, my, my wife's cousin, Brianna, uh, uh, his name is Xavier. He is a big, big time gamer. And I would just hang out with him and kind of like walk around and almost like, almost be like, and I'm cool with this. I don't mind. He's, he's the same age as me, or I think he's a year older than us, than you and I, um, uh, he's in the air force. And so like, whenever he gets a chance to like go on leave or whatever, he'll go to a state that has that you can, you can fucking play in. So of course, when he found out that there was a family reunion in Vegas, he was like, well, I, I gotta be there. <laughs> you know, uh, I believe, I believe he's stationed in New Mexico right now. So, you know, easy trip for him, right? Just up, just up a little bit to Nevada. And, uh, he loves doing that, and for me, it was more like, I'll walk around with him, and he's like, look, man, like, I'll buy you drinks, you hang out with me, just keep me company, and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll do that shit, I don't care, I love watching, I love watching as much as I do playing, because watching people spend a ton of money in a short amount of time is fucking fascinating, over a deck of cards, like, if you really think about it, you know, we're just children, you know, we're just children playing this game that we think is like built for adults, it's, it's really at heart. We're going back to being kids. You know, we're like it's all about chance and just having fun and trying to do something. You throw money into it. It makes it, it makes it fun for adults. So uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I, I really miss, I had a stretch um, of my life um, early twenties where I was able to play, uh, play poker. Like we played Texas Hold'em. Me and some of my friends, like four or five of us, would get together and play maybe every two weeks or so. You know, we wouldn't bet crazy amounts. You know, it'd be like a, you know, whatever, $40, $50 buy-in, and you just kind of like almost play for fun, you know. Um, At times, we would also, you know, use different things, you know, whether it be candy or, like, oh, I'll buy you food or this or that, just to keep playing, the thrill of playing. Like, oh, if you beat me in this hand, like, I'll buy you water burger, some bullshit like that. You know what I mean? But we'd always start out playing straight up like with money. Everybody bring their own beer, just kind of like hang out. We'd have, you know, the fucking football game on in the background, just like classic like dude thing. And I miss that a lot. I really do. Uh, It's like almost impossible for that group because we all kind of went separate ways and some of us moved. But I like holding on to that, like remembering those those things because it definitely was a lot of fun and something that was very formative for me because you can learn so much when you're around other people who are on the same level as you because you're all trying to learn and trying to get better and some get better faster than others. And so you're like, Oh fuck, like fucking Matt's getting good. I gotta, you know, I gotta catch up. I gotta like figure out how to play him. So that was like, that was the fun part of it, but you can learn a shit ton when you go to Vegas or wherever and watch like real players play all night. That's what they do. They go there, you know, four or five times out of the year just to play games. So it's, it's always been fascinating to me like cart cards, money, gambling, alcohol, all those things like together is just, awesome
1: (laughs) yeah i've always wanted to have like the friend trip to vegas i've never i've never had like a group of friends you know i i moved to texas fresh like sophomore year of of high school and i didn't keep in contact with anybody from maryland so i never had like you know the group like the friend i grew up with or any of that like that's never been my thing and all of my friends like they don't really know each other like you know basically like you know, the, the podcast uh, team is my circle, and y'all are on different parts of the country, and most of you have
0: never met each other. <laughs> Probably never yeah, never. yeah, never met in person, right? Yeah, that, that'd be really cool if we could even, you know, it doesn't have to be Vegas. We could do, you know, an LA trip or New York or something like that. I want to do that. Just, so bad. Yeah, just to hang out. Obviously, Vegas would be cool just because there is that aspect of, you know, you get to gamble. You, even to me, just the, I, I just like the thrill of even if I put a dollar in the slots. You just never know. I just love that, that whole, that yes. whole, th- the thrill, the thrill is really like why I, why I like it.
1: Last time I was in Vegas, I learned very quickly that I am a penny slot guy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Love winning big. Do not like to bet big. No, no, I yeah. can't afford that. So, but I won like 80 bucks on a wheel of fortune slot once. And that was like my, that was my big moment. <laughs> that was my Vegas. That's moment. great. That's great. That
0: that. <laughs> the, <laughs> That was that was your your uh, owning Mahoney moment, yeah. Yeah,
1: I ha- <laughs> like. There was this one time uh, when I graduated high school. We had this uh, this program called Project Graduation, where if you signed up for it and you did a certain amount of like community service stuff, you got to go on this bus, and after graduation, you they took you to this arcade that you you stayed at all night. Like you left oh. it's like at eight in the morning the next day. It was to make sure none of us went out and drank and partied and made bad decisions. Uh, I almost didn't do it, but a couple of my friends were like, come on, do it. You know, sell some hot dogs at the football at the football game and do this thing. And I was like, yeah, all right, fine. The girl I liked was going. So I was like, fine. All right. And uh, we went there and everybody got a stack of chips. Oh. And there was a po- there was a poker game. And I sat down at the poker game and I lost everything in about five minutes (laughs) again we were there for 12 hours
0: (laughs) yeah you're like well shit (laughs) so that was
1: the end of poker so yeah i'm not i i I gotta figure out how to do that right
0: yeah so yeah maybe maybe um maybe we should try to plan something maybe around like the the you know like the december like christmas time or something maybe maybe we could get some 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 boys together and play a little poker just kind of like just for fun you know, I would like love a poker
1: night. A poker night with like, you know, chips and yeah, that'd be a great, I'd love to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. I, I'm i definitely the guy in my, you know, like my buddies, Kelly, Grant, you know, my brother, Jeremy, my buddy, Joe, all, all those guys, they like to play, but I'm always the guy, like, we're all like hanging out we're like drinking. I'm like, poker? <laughs> and they're like, no, Austin, Jesus. <laughs> but but what we, well, we have occasionally sat down like that group, uh, and we've like sat down, you know, you, hopefully you can find like a good patio so everybody can, you know, be smoking cigars and fucking, you know, drinking fucking old fashions, you know, and just just busting each other's balls and playing games. And that's what it's about, man. That's what it's like ultimately about is building memories. So I'd love to do that. Maybe we should try to plan on doing something like that soon um, uh, around the around the uh, the Christmas time. That'd be, that'd be really cool, really special. It's kind of cold outside. You know, I lo- everybody's got their, you know, jackets on, you know, I, I love that. Maybe have a fire around. I don't know. I, I can picture it in my head right now. Hopefully, we can make that happen. But poker is awesome, and Rounders is one of the best poker movies, 100. You know, um, or, or gambling, whatever you want to. You know, The Sting and Hard Eight and Casino Royale. I would throw on there for sure because it's got some of the best card playing scenes of all time. Cincinnati Kid, Maverick, The Gambler, uh, James Kong. I love all like all all these movies. Just fucking rule. You know, they're just so much fun. It's such a thrilling thrilling uh, like subgenre. Uh, my next question this is going to be pretty difficult. and I kind of want to see if you can like do it off the cuff. Uh, so let's say Rounders is coming out today. Scratch 1998 Rounders, act like it never happened. But I do want to use the template of Damon and Norton as the two main characters. We got Mike McDermott, we got worm fucking Lester, the sleaziest bastard ever. Matt Damon, when this movie came out, was 28 years old. Edward Norton was 29. Can you think of two guys around that age, you know, maybe 25 to 35, that you would cast as the two main characters today if Rounders came out? Yes. Um,
1: Hmm, okay. Michael B. Jordan as Mike. Robert Pattinson as Worm.
0: Oh my God, I love it already. Michael B. Michael B. Jordan, what would you guess is his age? Probably like 31, 32. 36. All right. So I'll take that. I'll take 36. He looks like he could be, you know, 28 to 30. Robert Pattinson, I want to say, is around the same age, maybe a little younger. Robert, Robert Pattinson is worm, is perfect. Pattinson is 37. He's older than Michael B. Yeah. Wow. Well, they, Jesus, they, broke, they
1: they fooled me. I was I was getting early 30s, late 20s on both of those guys.
0: Yeah, I like I like both of those calls. I think that's great. I think Michael B is kind of the the like the better player, like the straight up player who wants to to go to, to go to Vegas for the you know World Series. And Pattinson is the guy who just got out of jail. Uh, coming up, you know, with the ace, <laughs> the ace up my sleeve tattoo. I could see Pattinson playing that like perfectly. Those are. Those are that was that was fast. those were great answers. Uh, I, but, I, I thought about I thought about a lot of people but you do kind of have to have because at the time Matt Damon just came off of Goodwill hunting. one of the, I mean one of well, the all-time coming out you know coming out parties uh, for him and Affleck winning that Oscar the movie did really well and it's still really good uh, 1997 and Norton had just done Primal fear in 1996 was up for an Oscar. Uh, performance Oscar and was amazing in that movie uh is just about to also do American History X and Fight Club. These guys were and, and and Damon, listen to this Damon, there's not there's not a lot of you know 97, 98, 99, uh Goodwill Hunting, Rounders, Talented Mr. Ripley. I mean, these guys were like at the top of their game in the late nineties.
1: Well and let's also not forget saving
0: Private Ryan is saving private Ryan too. <laughs> also ninety eight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, good God. Yeah. And Damon. Yeah. And Damon, I mean, was on top of the world as far as like, look out for this dude. I would say probably those two, you know, cause Brad Pitt's a little bit older, but, like guys who are under 30 in the late nineties. Like these are the two guys you're kind of looking at.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, these guys have up and comer written all over them. You can almost fucking taste it in this movie. And Just knowing their career trajectory, I wonder if I'd like if I'd seen this in 1998, I would
0: be able to tell like, oh, these guys are going to be huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, yeah, I guarantee it. I feel like yeah, if you and I say you and I are in college, we're going to fucking you know fucking Syracuse, some some university in New York. And we yeah, this was the first New York university that came to my head because I I love their basketball team. (laughs) Okay. Say we're going there, me and you're we're, we're 20, 21 years old. We go see this movie. I mean, it would change our life. <laughs> First off, we'd like be like, okay, where can we buy a cheap poker table? Second, I'm watching every motherfucking Matt David movie that ever comes out from here on out. And same with Edward Norton. And who the fuck is John Malkovich? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and John Torturo. Like, I like these guys are amazing. <laughs> we would immediately go straight to Blockbuster.
1: We would be renting Goodwill Hunting, Courage Under Fire, and Primal Fear.
0: Yeah, straight up, <laughs> and we'd be—we our ass would be in the theater for American History X, Saving Private Ryan, Fight Club, Talented Mr. Ripley, and then when Bourne comes out a few years later, we're like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Come on, I mean, awesome. shit. So yeah, I, I love I love the Michael B. and, and Robert Pattinson. I'm trying to think of some guys who were, who were a little younger, you know. You know who I really, really like, who I think could play a really good worm, who who I think is on the cusp of becoming absolutely massive, is Jeremy Allen White from The Bear. That is a good pick. He's um he's gonna be in the Iron Claw here next month. Um with Zach Efron and Harrison Dickinson. Uh I I feel like he's he's like really close to becoming like absolutely massive he's really popular because the bear is really popular and he was also a great character in shameless uh a lip but i think the bear has become this kind of almost i don't know i feel like i don't know anyone who hasn't seen it especially around our age everybody like loves the bear it's caused people to be like maybe i should <laughs> it's silly but it's i've heard it not really for me but i feel like people have been like maybe i should support local businesses you know like food like food places. Uh, you know, if, if that's what it does for you, cool. I mean, you probably should have already thought that way, but it's fine. You know, uh, but now people are looking for like sandwich shops and burger places that are similar to the bear. What's in my city that I can go eat at? Uh, I love that. Yeah. I just think Jeremy on white, he, you know, he's probably around 30, I would guess. And I feel like he could play, play, I don't know if he could play Michael. You think he'd play either of
1: them or, or is warm more up his alley? Worm is definitely more up his alley. He's got this kind of like chip on his shoulder, been through the ringer yep. kind of thing that I think he could. Really- Smoking
0: nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. How, uh he, how-
1: he's 32, by he's the 32. way. Okay. How old is Glenn Powell?
0: Oh. oh, Jesus Christ. That's a match made in heaven. <laughs> Glenn Powell's got to be, got to be around there too, right? 35. He just turned 35.
1: God, these
0: I guess 30 is the new fucking 20. And I just missed it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's a whole other conversation that we don't really, you know, is how many how many guys become? I guess if Barbara Penson's thirty seven, and what year did Good Time come out? Twenty seventeen, yeah, six years ago. I guess that would be kind of like the movie where like cinephiles were like, okay, this guy's like here, and he's very very good. I got a I got a wild card for you, Alex Wolf. Oh, I, that's, I love that for honestly, either. I feel like he could, he's a chameleon. He could play either. Yeah. Yeah. And he's gotta be twenties,
1: right? You would think Turns out he's like 48.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. I know, man. It's weird. Like looking at these people's ages, but, but I do think your initial two answers, Michael B and Robert Pattinson both have a ton of star power and both look like they could either be 40 or 25. That's kind of that's kind of the sweet spot because because Matt Damon is in the movie. Mike McD is supposed to be like a student. Uh, He's supposed to be like a law student. We don't really know exactly like how old he is, but in real life, he was 28 years old when the movie came out, which is so weird to think about. You know, he's. We're so used to him now as this 50 something year old like dad type figure. Uh, But there was a time, man, where Matt Damon was was the fucking bee's knees.
1: Yeah, it's funny, you know, revisiting these things. Like, I I recently watched Courage Under Fire for the first time. And that was kind of considered his, like, breakout performance. Yeah, for sure. And he's, you know, holding his own with Denzel Washington. And just, like, you really, you believe the guy. Like, he's always had talent. And I love that he's never, I I can't remember, like, a a year where he didn't have something. Like, he's always been, he's always been there. He's been a mainstay in Hollywood for, like, you know, 30 years.
0: Yeah, uh, he is prolific. Absolutely prolific. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good shout. Uh, I Yeah, I, I love him, man. He's he's in so many movies that I like and has worked with so many cool directors. Uh, I love going back to something like Courage Under Fire or School Ties where you can see it. You can just see. And no, I think he's actually exceeded expectations because of like he has his hand in so many cool things. For instance, Air. I think like what him and Affleck did with air is like this movie, there has no business being this good, yeah. but it's because those guys know how to fucking make a movie. Yeah. It, those two guys,
1: Affleck has his ups and downs. He's made mistakes, but he's also made some incredible movies. Yeah. I just, you know, I think he's Affleck's at his best when he's in his comfort zone, mm. when he's doing, you know, behind the camera doing biopics and gangster movies or working with Matt Damon. But when he like tries to be Batman, like you don't need to do this anymore. Like it Uh, almost seems like Batman's beneath him. And I, I I wish he'd made that. I wish he'd realized that because being Batman fucked him in a way we'll never understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's still recovering, you know, like as far as his image as just for, for movie fans and, obviously still recovering, I think, just personally. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is it is tough because, yeah, I, Affleck has been a part of so many unique things. I, I guess he wanted to get that paycheck, and I don't know, man.
1: I think it's amazing how many times he's basically, like, ended his career only to bounce back super quickly. Like, you know, Pearl Harbor and Gigli back-to-back, we never should have heard from this guy again. But, you know, I don't know what happened, but Paycheck comes to mind, like 2000. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like something big that Affleck did in like 04 to like right before Gone Baby Gone.
0: I I don't think there's anything. Yeah. Because yeah, Gone Baby Gone, Argo, Gone Girl. That was when he was like, oh, OK, this guy's doing what he like, what we always thought he would do. I'm going to find something.
1: There was Daredevil, but, you know, that didn't. Exactly... Mm, yeah, no.
0: What do you think? What do you think it real quick? What do you think of twenty-seven-year-old Tom Holland giving a go at at poker? I, you know, I don't. I, I still,
1: I, I, he still looks like a thirteen-year-old boy. I don't, I don't.
0: Yeah, looks too young. Yeah, it looks too young. I know you he's get,
1: not, and I feel bad for him. I love him as Spider-Man, but as like a hardened card player, I don't see it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and imagine him going against a John Malkovich-esque former as Teddy KGB. He's getting played off the table.
1: He's going to Malkovich just has to like stare him down and he will back away slowly and apologize.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like I like Jarrell Jerome. I've always loved him. He's 25. I think he could be a fun poker player. Yeah, I could see him. Yeah, for sure.
1: Oh, I'm trying to I, I don't the, these new guys, their names don't stay with me. I'm still very um, attached to, like, the 90s people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I've tried to stay away from from this one, but, like, one of the obvious answers is 27-year-old Timothy Chalmay, just because he's so massive. But I would lean more in the camp of 26-year-old Lucas Hedges as Worm. Oh,
1: hell yeah. Good, good pick. Yeah, Lucas Hedges would kill that role. I love, love that
0: guy. What's he got going on lately? I feel
1: like he's like over I the do And then I yeah I don't know. I
0: don't happened. know. I think he's done some uh some stage stuff. Mm. He's leaned leaned into that. Um, uh, which you know it's fine. You know, do what you got to do. That's that's what you love. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think it's really hard for people under thirty to become proper movie stars these days. The same way, like Tom Cruise broke out in the eighties. You know, uh, it's just it, or or these these guys that we're talking about in the nineties. I feel like there was a whole class of people in the 90s it just hasn't really i feel like it's a lot harder or, or they do more tv or their well, choices are different i feel like it takes a little longer well in
1: this day and age you know film and television is so intertwined like back in the you know 80s and 90s tvs where you went when your career was either dead or just starting out and yeah now that's not really you know people you know, fucking meryl streep did a tv show
0: so it's... Yeah, 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 everyone. I mean, tons of Oscar, like, winning performers are like, I want a piece of that shit, yeah.
1: Yeah, I want to win an Emmy. There's a spot on my mantle for it. It's... Yeah, so I think that the landscape and, like, the I think a lot of films are, you know, very manufactured these days. A lot of movie stars are manufactured. You know, they go find some hot-looking dude, and they try to turn him into the next Tom Cruise. Yeah. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I... I don't think there's a lot of honesty left in art anymore. Um, yeah. You do find it, you know, you got your, you know, your indie directors still doing their thing, but overall
0: it's just predictable. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm with you, man. You know, you know me, I'm, I love, I love my movie stars, but yeah, I feel like they're few and far between these days or, or they take a lot longer. Like to me, to me, a dream team, if we're going, if we're going for like a, a slightly above that age, we're going like into the thirties. To me, the dream team would be to reunite, get out co-stars and Judas the Black Messiah co-stars Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield.
1: Oh, that's a good call. <laughs> oh, I would watch the hell out of that. That's a great. Oh, nice.
0: I, you, who would you? Who's who? Uh, Lakeith is Mike. Kaluuya is Worm. <laughs> So, uh, Kaluia is 34, if I remember correctly, and Lakeith I know is 32. Um, Not that far off. I'd watch the fuck out of that. (laughs) I want to see that movie now. Damn, I want them to do a poker movie. Oh man, yeah. So, who who would you have play like the John Turturro, the you know Knish, the guy who's kind of like the lifetime rounder, the guy who's like just does it for a living. Someone who's a little little older, but not too old. Hmm, and then like Denzel Washington as Teddy KGB. <laughs> <laughs> first,
1: first instinct for Knish is John Ham.
0: Oh, I like that. I like that's that's a good call. Yeah. John Ham's got the like the the Torturo comedy, but also can just turn it on. He can turn yeah. that shit on and, and get dramatic. He's
1: got this like been around the block a few times, but never, what was never in charge kind of thing. Oh,
0: man, John Ham.
1: Yes, okay. Yeah. Teddy KGB. I. I, I still know, want them dude, to do I... the terrible Russian accent. So I want like, okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm thinking like, how about like, Colin Farrell? Oh, oh, perfect. Perfect. Colin Farrell. got Yeah. He's what in his forties right now. That is, that is a perfect call. Colin Farrell across the table from Lakeith Stanfield going toe to toe. And then you got Kaluya who's just fucking cheating every time he gets to a table. <laughs>
1: dude. Now, like now we got to remake rounders. Like, yeah,
0: we, we cracked yeah. it.
1: We, we got to remake this
0: movie. I mean, the reason I brought it up is because um uh, and we can get into the movie properly here in a second. But the reason I brought it up is because so many Rounders fans have have had the debate of do we want do we want the Mike McD in Vegas and worm on the run sequel? Do we want it or do we want to leave Rounders wherever it is?
1: I don't want like if, if it's a sequel, that would just
0: be sad. I don't want to see 50 year
1: old Matt Damon still. Trying to make it big as a poker as a rounder, I don't want to see that. And Norton would never fucking do it.
0: Well, let's be honest, Worm is dead. Let's be honest; like he's <laughs> yeah, <a key>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got he pissed off the wrong person, and they they just killed him. Uh Mike McDee, I could see like what if he? It'd be cool if he if we saw a movie where like the first few years, like went pretty well for him, he, he started doing well and like became a mainstay, of the world series of poker. And then some horrible happened, you know, and he's going to come back and, you know, just basically repeat rounders,
1: <laughs> but, but have him have him older. The only way I see this working is if they do it color of money style. Oh, it's like a, uh,
0: he like finds someone young. Oh yeah. dude. He's, oh my he's God. Been
1: following some young upstart. Who's really fucking good at reading people. And Mike McDermott is this legend in the poker community. Who disappeared, and now yeah. he, he shows up again to te- to you know teach like I don't know maybe this guy's going to go up against Teddy KGB's kid or something.
0: Now we're talking about Matt Damon being Paul Newman and Timothy Chalamet being Tom Cruise. I'm in. I'm in. Directed <laughs> by Martin Scorsese, of why, course. Sure, why not? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, that's great. I'm glad I asked that question. I almost yeah, that was a good question. It. I, I almost scratched it. But I was like, no, this is that was my initial question. I was like, well, we got to talk about poker, but uh, <laughs> in, in games. Oh, yes, dude. I love it. So initially, we went Michael B and Robert Pattinson. Then we thought about Daniel Fluia, Lakeith Keith Stanfield, and some in between. But those seem to be the ones that stick. Um, Rounders, 1998, written by David Levian and Brian Koppelman. Uh, Koppelman has done a lot of like big time work um, in, in TV since then and has actually been a. Uh, re- uh, recurring um, podcast guest on one of my favorite podcasts. And it's been really cool because he 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 says he kind of always knew Rounders would have the life that it had. He knew it wouldn't make a ton of money, but that people would freak out, become obsessed with it, become a cold hit, and would make a bunch of money through DVD, Blu-ray sales. And sure enough, he's like, we have made money. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty cool. Good for them, man. Uh, directed by John Dahl, who's got a really... Strange filmography, and I, I'm i not, like, super familiar with it, but I went back and watched The Last Seduction from 1994, which I thought was, like, way better than I expected, and we both wanted to watch Joyride, but it's it, it it's available on Tubi, but it's only in Spanish, and I was like, I can't do this. Uh, You just, it just, the time time slipped from you. You were going to watch it, I think it's on Plex, is that right? Yeah, Plex is, like, a, a slightly more upscale Tubi, but also free. Yeah, so we, tr- we try to do a little more work. You know, it's okay. We, you know, it's it's This is mostly about Rounders. And John Dahl, as far as his name goes, this is 100% the first movie people are going to talk about when they talk about John Dahl. That's just how it is. Rounders has become a huge deal with a lot of people who are obsessed with gambling and poker and, and, and really just great movies from the 90s.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I the 90s is my favorite era of Hidden Gems. Because His... oh dude they're everywhere every year there's a movie
0: that slipped to the cracks yeah and here we are
1: <laughs> yeah it's constant and it's always by you know it always stars like a you know it's got a great cast usually a really good writer director and you just wonder like what happened like did it go up against disney movie and nobody paid it any mind until now that's usually what happens and yeah yeah i like rediscovering this stuff it's it's cool it's nice because to me you know, I don't have that blockbuster bias. Like, if it didn't make money, I don't fucking care.
0: Oh, I, yeah, definitely don't care. E- even sometimes I look for movies that didn't make money. Yeah. Because <laughs> chances are it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's also a movie, uh, Nicolas Cage, that I haven't seen, Red Rock West. I've always wanted to see that just because it's a Nicky Cage in 1993. That's got to be fascinating. There The Great Rage from 2005. Uh, Kill Me Again from 1989 with Val Kilmer. He's got a really strange filmography. Um, and I, I like to see it all, you know. That's just that's you know I'm, I like to be a completist and see everything. And one day I will. But Rounders is certainly the thing that's going to be, you know, on his plaque, you know, you know, or gravestone or whatever you want, to, however you want to like look, look at it. Rounders is is it, man?
1: Yeah. This I, I want to see. Like, do you see a certain style in in the doll movies that you have seen, or like? Uh, does- yeah.
0: I've only seen two. Yeah. Yes, and no. Uh, they feel like they're almost the last seduction and rounders almost feel. I don't want to say cheap. The way they're filmed is almost. It's almost. It's almost like he, uh, how do I say? It's not homemade either, but it it feels kind of raw. You know. You know How rounders doesn't have this. It doesn't look amazing looks fine. looks like a typical to me in nineties movie and same with the last Seduction*. but it doesn't, it doesn't distract you from the content and the performances within. I feel like that's what's on display here is dialogue, performance story. That's what we're really focused on with rounders. We're not like, Oh man, did you see that camp? You know, do you see that move? I think John Dahl is good from what I've seen with the two movies. What do people really want to see here? Let's be straightforward about it. Let's not fuck around. Let's just make a, make a movie. I kind of like some directors like that. Of course, I love style, but I also love a straightforward just movie. And Rounders never feels show-offy. It always feels to the point. And I feel like a lot of 90s movies are like that, where they're, again, not cheaply made, but they feel like they're to the point.
1: I love to the point. I do do not need like 10 minutes of just like a doorway in shadow because it emphasizes somebody's depression and disbelief in their reality. Like, I don't fuck. I just want to see him walk through the door so we can move this along.
0: It, it, yeah. And I think that's what John Dull wants to do. I mean, look at the other movies like joy ride. I've heard is just like a crazy genre movie. I mean, red rock West looks absurd. I I, I want to see them cause they feel they're probably like the same style, you know, uh, just straightforward. Let's just make a, make a movie. And, and I, yeah, I respect that and like it. So I'm intrigued to watch his other films, but from what I had read, last Seduction is kind of the second most popular movie of his, his collection. And, and man, it was good, man. I I, I was, really really into it i was shocked i thought i was just gonna kind of be sort of engaged i ended up being like oh my god and like the, the ending of the movie was so good I, I I was totally in uh so i definitely suggest that one i don't really know anyone who's seen it so i can't talk to anybody about it that's all right i can talk to myself about it <laughs> uh but I, yeah connor i think you enjoy it uh any listeners out there definitely check out last Seduction. it's on peacock right now so uh g- give it a go um we mentioned the money Many times already, uh twenty million dollars on about a twelve to fifteen million dollar budget, and that's you know it's not breaking the bank or anything, but it's you know that's modest. I you can't complain with making you know around eight million bucks, right? Like you go out, you make a film, you're like, hey, you are doing this thing, and then they they've made money hand over fist since then, and that's you can't complain with that.
1: Looking up the highest grossing movie of nineteen ninety eight
0: oh let me think 1998
1: it was titanic rollover from 97 oh fuck that what second armageddon oh okay that makes yeah. sense we're talking domestic it's, it's armageddon
0: yeah 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 oscar winner shakespeare in love just a strange gear. but but you look on the outside you, you got gems like the big lebowski out there just hanging out so Nothing wrong with that.
1: Rounders was number 79, the 79th most successful film of 1998.
0: I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. I'd love to look at every year in the 90s. What was the 79th film? And chances are you and I both love it.
1: <laughs> I can I can tell you right now. All right. Give me it. Give me a year from the 90s. 1993. 93. Number 79 and 93 domestic box office was Posse. What's that? <laughs>
0: Uh, this failed <laughs> in
1: eighteen <laughs> in eighteen ninety eight Cuba. Five Buffalo soldiers find a gold cache, desert, and return to America, where they help defend a black town from the KKK. All the while, trying to avoid capture by lawmen and military authorities. Fuck, that sounds cool.
0: Yeah, I
1: want to see it. Yeah. nineteen ninety three. Who? Who? This is cool. uh Mario Van Peebles. Oh, dude. It,
0: okay, I know what this is. This has been on Criterion before. Okay, there you go. so you do know it. Good, good. Yeah, okay. We didn't fail. We didn't fail. <laughs> all right, Van Peebles. Yeah, that, that guy. That guy fucking kicks ass. Okay, all right. I'm in. Let's fucking uh, market is an eight, dude. <laughs> let's do like, 1993. Let's fucking do that one day, man. Let's let's uh just as like a random. We did it because of rounders. Yeah, <laughs> and guess episode. what? It's on Plex. <laughs> it's on Plex right now. How about that? Free for everybody. Everybody go watch Posse. Make this movie fucking famous! (laughs) Oh was that that was cool. That's great. Uh, Good stuff, man. Uh, I want to, I want to get, I want to get into our. I want to really talk about Rounders. This is one of those special movies that I've been waiting to do an episode on forever. So I want to whip through this. Seven point three on IMDb, pretty good, pretty solid. Sixty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That like, come on. Let's lighten up. <laughs> you know? uh, 87% audience score. There we go. There we go. Uh, 3.5 on Letterboxd. We'll get to Letterbox later on for our segment, What's in the Box? I'm excited for that. Some people will just, the way they talk about this movie, I'm like, whatever. It's, it's not, you know, it's not the seventh seal. Like, fucking chill out. <laughs> you know? Like, it's, they're like, oh, the relationship between him and Joe just sucked. I, I don't, I'm not going around for that, you know,
1: <laughs> just I not. will never understand people who go into every movie expecting like if this isn't Citizen Kane, I'm walking away from it
0: Yeah, or hold it to that standard. Yeah, I, or, no, no, but there are a ton of people who love this movie four 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 and a half star, five star reviews on Letterboxd, people just gushing about, uh, you know, fucking mostly John Malkovich <laughs> and, and the and the Oreos. Uh, so we have our categories right. Uh, I think the best way to open up, in my opinion, maybe you maybe you differ. We've got our four categories of you know we'll talk about some quotes, we'll do some performance stuff, music, and and scenes. To me, we just got to get performance. Like who wins the movie? We got to get that out of the way. Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah, let's let's do performance. It's
0: uh, three people, four, four people. Start with the fourth. Who's the fourth? Terturo? Yeah. Okay. Terturo. Yeah. Yeah, I think Terturo's right up for me, right on the outside looking in, but he is great. Uh, obviously, Malkovich is just lights out. He's in two scenes and they both fucking rule.
1: This is one of the few performances in, in movies that I've seen where an actor is fantastic
0: and absolutely fucking terrible at the same time. Oh yeah. He's awful. I mean, the the accent is absurd, but he's so (laughs) committed that you have to respect it and you have to fall in love.
1: I just watch it thinking like, there's no way in hell this dude's actually a Russian gangster. He's just a gangster who loves to play a Russian and no, everyone's too damn scared to tell him to stop.
0: Yeah. 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 God, he's great. He's yeah, horrible and great is the best way to best way to put it. I love that.
1: Yeah, and Terturo is the unsung hero of the 90s. That dude, when he turned up, fucking hell, the guy just lit up the screen every time. I really wish he'd never like met Michael Bay. I don't like that he's involved in the Transformers movies because he's so yeah. much better than that. And yeah, just every, every performance he gave in the 90s up to like, I think like, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was probably like the cutoff point. But then he yeah. and killed it as Falcone in The Batman last year. So he's still got it.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think when he... Yeah, he's clearly... He works. Like, he works for money. This is his job. But when he turns up, he, he turns it up. And he is so good. And he steals, like, every scene. I, I love him in... One of my favorite more recent things, I think it was 2016, is uh, the miniseries The Night Of. Him and Riz Ahmed. I mean, he also stepped in for um Jesus H, why can't I think of his name? Um James Gandalfini. James Gandalfini was supposed to play that role. He died, wasn't able to play it. John Taturo stepped in and basically dedicated every fucking moment of being in that in that series to him. And he is unbelievable. He's unbelievable in that show. And he raised he's a he's a, like a floor raiser. Everything he like, he's like, I will bring things back. They'll, they'll be better if I'm here they'll be better and he does that a lot man and yeah the, the 90s is the best you put it the best he's he made so many good decisions in the 90s of people like who to work with, what roles to take, when to in movies, when to attack, when to kind of stick step on the sidelines and rounders to me is the best example of that when he's able to shut up and listen and uses like uses really unique you know face and hair and this distinguished look, And then when he's able to kind of come in and give you like two lines that are just brilliant. Yeah. That creep can roll, man. Yeah. (laughs) No fucking kidding, man. (laughs) (laughs) And then he can carry a movie like Barton Fink and you're like, fuck this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Or play just,
1: you know, a despicable little piece of shit in Miller's crossing. Yep. Like, yeah. his the work he did with, you know, the Coen's and with Spike Lee. Like God. Yeah. So many directors like had him on speed dial. Like, Hey, I need a compelling, one one or two scene character for like a week and a half of work, and he's like, "I got you."
0: Is there is there an actor who represents New York better than John Turturro? <laughs> Not in my book. Yeah, I mean, you, you named you know, do the right thing, right? I mean, he like he like represents a neighborhood, like a personality in in New York, and he does it. You know, ten years later, nine years later, in Rounder, he's so so New York. I mean, I'm, I love that kind of death. Yeah, me too. So yeah, good good I forgot He was yeah. in this
1: actually. I was when he showed up. I'm like ah fucking Torturo,
0: and yes, I was watching so... him
1: more than I was watching anybody else.
0: I, I I love when that happens, man. That's again again what makes a movie so rewatchable. Is I've seen this so many times, but the other night when I was watching it, even then there's times where I'll, I'll I'm big on this these days because if I'm watching a movie by myself, I don't care how long it takes to get through it. I'll rewind and watch a scene over or make sure I catch, you know, a piece of dialogue correctly or, or, or shit. My attention was on Damon, that scene. Let me go back and watch Malkovich or watch Turturro that scene. It's as if I'm watching film for like a sport. <laughs> I mean, you, you kind of are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Especially with the rounders. <laughs> no kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. But, but our main two players, not Damon, Edward Norton, Worm and Mike McDee. These two guys, I mean, talk about chemistry. Talk about two young dudes going toe-to-toe, but also applying teamwork the right way, upstaging each other in the right moments, lifting each other up in the right moments. They're they're dynamite. Right when he picks them up from from prison, you're like, yes, fuck yes. I love this tandem.
1: Yeah, it's perfect. They, you, you feel like they've been friends and enemies for years. Yeah. I Yep. Yeah, I, I bought it. I love, you know, it, it's the reminding me of that, you know, Godfather three. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Yes,
0: yes. this is the
1: guy. This is the asshole friend who racked up twenty five Gs of debt that I have to fucking deal with now. Like,
0: yeah, love it. Yeah, and how about um. Oh, just for the fuck of it, Martin Landau is just like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna turn up in this scene. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this whole brilliant speech to change Mike's life right now. Give him ten thousand bucks. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. to do that for another. That's a mitzvah. Yes, fuck,
1: oh, dude. Yeah, that's such a good scene. Uh, Martin Landau. Not enough is is he, he he didn't get nearly enough credit as a long time. Very accomplished, very reliable character actor who always oh, ter- yeah. turned in amazing performances. He's never really counted amongst the greats, and I think he should be.
0: Yeah, unfortunately passed away six, five, six years ago. No, uh, it, you know, Oscar winner, but like you said, I think what he's best at is these, you know, heat check, bring me in. Uh, I mean, that's you know, he won his Oscar for Ed Wood. He comes in, he, he just fucking crushes it. You know, he just crushes these supporting, you know, uh, supporting characters. And yeah, I, we need we need those people desperately. Those people who are able to come off the bench, fucking score all the points, you know, take steal the show and then kind of be like, all right, see you later. Let me, I'm going to let Norton take over now. It's great.
1: Well, I've always loved character actors over movie stars. Like I'm I'm here to watch a performance. I don't like you know, I, I want to see some depth here. I want to see a character I'm
0: going to remember. And there's so many in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shout out Landau. We have to, you know, I don't think we ever really brought him up on Oscar Sunday, although he was a three-time nominee, one-time winner. Uh, Tucker, the man in his dream, crimes and misdemeanors, and uh, one for Ed Wood. So, yeah, just a legend. Uh, rest in peace to that guy. He's, he's, he's dynamite.
1: Oh yeah, Ed Wood is a fantastic watch, by the way. Uh, oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah, his turn as Bela Lugosi is amazing. I don't even see Landau in that role. Like he captures Lugosi so fucking well. It's it's well earned, well deserved Oscar.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's the man. Uh, anybody else you want to shout out before we pick a person who won the movie? Um,
1: I, I I'm gonna not a shout out, but I do want to bring her up.
0: Gretchen? Gretchen Mole?
1: I believe as, so. Is she a bitchy girlfriend? Yes. <laughs> then yes. What's, what's her problem?
0: I don't know. I, this is uh, the biggest nitpick of the movie. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't think it works. It just doesn't really work very well. She's she. It's not really like her fault, the actress. I think it's a pretty poorly written character. We, she's put in a tough, tough spot to come up with these emotions like on the spot, which obviously is the actor's job, but I feel like she's just not given the right support. I feel like when Damon's on screen with her, Damon's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fucking run through this scene and you, you, you're you, not stopping me. He's like, he's upstaging her the whole time. He's not trying to tear up. You know, he's not trying to like, you know, toss the pitch to her. He's just like, I'm going to throw this at 90 miles an hour.
1: Well, everyone in the movie and watching the movie just knows no one gives a shit about this story we want yeah we want to you know the real romance here is between mike and the game of poker yeah
0: and the second second relationship is him and worm like so is this weird yeah i i I kind of think you could drop this entire thing you can make because this movie's almost two hours you could chop off 15 minutes or so but I don't know. I don't know the, you know, the whole like lawyer thing. I don't know, man. You kind of need it because Martin Landau's character. but I feel like you could bring him in some other fashion. I don't know, man. Well, I think just the character needs a, a needs some more, like,
1: likability. I guess it, she's written. Yeah. Her whole thing is she's one note and she just hates poker because yeah. he ruined his life once with poker and he promised he'd never play again. But the second he starts playing again she doesn't like try to get him help or anything. She just goes straight to you lied to me. And then she just disappears for most of the movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She like just moves out and Damon's like, let's fucking play. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't even go after her. He's just like,
1: finally the ball and chain is, is gone. I can play now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And they live in this pretty neat little apartment in New York city. I'm like, what the fuck? Like you just left this guy high and dry, like to pay rent. It's probably sort of expensive. You know, it's late nineties, but it's still expensive. Yeah, New York City. New York City has never been cheap, ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he, he's you know working for uh, Kanish, just like driving that 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 truck. He's probably not making a ton of money. So like, fuck off. You want him? You won't let him play the game he loves to make more money. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I don't think it's like her fault. No shade to Gretchen. Uh, I don't know if it's Mall or Mole. I don't know. I don't really I think, know her career very well. I, I think it's Mole.
1: Mall. I remember hearing Gretchen somebody Mall.
0: say the phrase "Gretchen Mall" at one point. Gretchen Mall, yeah, yeah, tough stuff. It's just not the best. I don't really care. <laughs> well, know, nobody does. The, yeah. The other, the other hour and forty-two minutes of the movie are just electric. So I don't really care uh, about that whole thing. But you do have that Damon. Damon's so good in the movie, and Mike Mcdee's such an awesome character. You do have a few moments where, like, the reason he's straying away from this is because of her. And because of this lawyer thing. And then I love the scene when he drops Worm off to play with those frat bros. And then he like, you know, just stops in the middle of the road and is like, fuck. And then turns around and Worm knew he was going to turn around. Like, it's, I, I do like those moments. And we don't have those moments without the girlfriend. Like, you better, you better not play or like, I'm going to break up with you. So I don't know, man. It's tough. It's a tough one.
1: We don't need a romance when we've got a
0: perfectly good bromance going on over here. Oh yeah, we got a great bromance, yeah, and, and and a little 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 rivalry as well. So like, yeah. you you know, Worm is like fuck, he's better than me at playing straight up. <laughs> you know, I have to cheat. Uh, but this cast is amazing. Ultimately, I think I'd have to go with Damon for my winner. Uh, it's tough, man. It's really tough. But I, the more I watch this movie, the more I'm like, wow, this is, to me, one of the, more unique, fascinating under 30 lead performances that I know of
1: interesting because I would give it to Norton.
0: Totally fair. You can't, you can't, I can't argue with that. He's fucking incredible.
1: Just for the moment we see him, you know, winning cigarettes from the other prisoners, the day he's going to be released. Yeah. Got nothing to do with the currency. It's just the thrill of the game. Yeah. And Just that's the guy we stay with. He has no character growth. He has no development. He has no scruples. He doesn't give a fuck about anything but the next score. And I just you don't really understand Mike's devotion to the guy other than like he didn't rat me out. Yeah, yeah. And you just keep waiting for something for Worm to have a moment of clarity, but he never does. He's you know, he's the guy. He's yeah, he's the guy you have to invite to the barbecue because you owe him a lot, but
0: you don't. Yeah, like <laughs> he he's like a brother, but I he's he, he wouldn't be a friend if it weren't for that one thing he did. And
1: I love seeing, you know, Norton's range in the 90s especially was lights fucking out.
0: Oh, and dude.
1: Yeah. I can't believe he did this the same year as American History X. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Jesus. I mean, yeah, he was he was he was nuts. Like He was just. Balls to the wall back then. Like he, he he really just didn't give a fuck. He was just trying all kinds of stuff, and I respect him for it, man. He he'd go to he would, you know, he'd go toe to toe with just just about anybody. He he still does. He did then. He's got a swagger to him that is unmatched. So he a confidence that he, he it's like he just doesn't give a fuck, which is why he's so good at playing these sleazy characters that are, uh, you know, like what he does in Birdman is just incredible. You know, he's he's able to conjure up this just fucking dickery you know he's just always always the guy in the room that's like i'm the man fuck everybody else like i got the biggest dick (laughs) you know it's that's how he always is yeah yeah pretty much it's like that's i think that's why he didn't work
1: so well as the hulk because Uh, yeah it was a commercial project which he's always fucking despised and bruce banner is very much not a big dick in the room kind of character but edward norton can't help but have that like self-confidence as a performer seep through his characters and just be there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Straight up, man. Straight up. It was really cool to see uh, him take the director's chair for Motherless Brooklyn a few years ago. I really liked that movie. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to see him, you know, he, you know, obviously he's got like the really cool relationship with the uh, Wes Anderson these days. Uh, he's always, he always shows up and, and fucking kills it. In his movies whether it be you know budapest or isle of dogs or dispatch he's awesome um and you know i want to want to see want to see more of him kind of stretch the legs maybe maybe direct some more that would be cool
1: yeah a lot of these 90s guys were seeing you know i don't want to say the twilight of their careers but definitely like the next phase of their careers when they're older more experienced you know playing a different kind of character or desiring to be behind the camera. And it's really cool to see these guys transition like that into a, a new kind of filmmaking for them. Hmm. Uh, I hope. Yeah. I'm enjoying the
0: ride. Yeah. Me too, man. Yeah. Well, you went, you went, you went Norton. I went Damon classic. I love it. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's do, um, let's do music. Get that one, get that one out of the way here before we get to to scene in quotes um what 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 i mean what do you think of this music do you think you think it works well for the movie? Do you really like pay attention to it or are you more just kind of into the the story and characters? I think the music works to establish a certain mood
1: whenever we get to a new set uh a new set piece uh yeah, a lot of saxophone never go wrong yeah
0: that. yeah uh, that's that's also uh, um I actually need to look at it. Up. it's Christopher Young who does the the score here. And, and yeah, it's, it's it's real jazzy. A lot like The Last Seduction. The Last Seduction is very jazzy. So I'm actually going to look up if he did that one as well. But go ahead. Christopher Young, I believe he's
1: Danny Elfman's protégé.
0: I've, I think you're right. Yeah. That's,
1: he, that's ringing he, a bell. He took over uh, the score for Spider-Man 3 from Elfman. And I remember when I read about that, something about him being his protégé was in there.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a good mix of soundtrack and score uh but obviously the music's not at you know it's there's no spotlight on the music here it's just
0: you know so that we don't get bored <laughs> uh yeah 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 and that's that's totally fine again that's uh, that probably goes in line with what i was saying earlier about how this movie's not cheaply made but it's to the point the score is not distracting you from what what really matters to john Dahl in yeah. this movie
1: yeah exactly and I do like, like, one of my favorite moments is the uh, the, the Taj Mahal game. Um, oh, dude. When Mike's at the table and the music almost feels like James Brown. Like, it's, you know, some new, new, super heavy funk up in here. And I like that a lot. I was like, that's a good establishment right there. It's like, everyone's having a good time. Mike's in his zone. He's in the groove. And then Worm shows up. Yep. <laughs> and that's a repeated situation where Mike's, like, winning. He's doing great. He's establishing relationships. And then Worm shows up. Like, oh, God. Fucking, you know, fly in the soup. That's,
0: that's a good way of putting Worm. Worm, worm is, he just, yeah, he just shows up at the wrong time over and over.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> everyone just can tell, like, I don't know what it is, but I don't like this guy. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, who is it? Um, I was going to mention when you we were doing performance. Uh, Who is it that's like, they let people like you in here? Um, what's his name? Uh, he's the guy who plays the weird teacher in Billy Madison. Um, mm. God damn it.
1: I know who you're talking about. I don't remember his name.
0: P.S. I'm horny. <laughs> <laughs> the Valentine's card of Billy Madison? Such a good scene. Uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. uh, <laughs> God, what is his name? John John Mustel. Mustel. He yeah. plays the gush. Josh Mustel. Josh Mustel. Yeah, yeah sorry yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: he has this like i have not sat up from this poker table in 35 years kind of vibe
0: yeah i yeah i love that shit come on we all know everybody here you know <laughs> uh what what is what mike McTee's like welcome to the east chesterfield <laughs> or whatever he, uh so cool i love that i love that bit it's, it's incredible <laughs> and then, and then of course, Worm and Kanish have their little back and forth where he's like, "Oh, have fun, like putting you know putting a little bit of food on the table and paying rent." I'm trying to win big, baby. <laughs> oh, it's fucking great. God, this movie rules. Yeah, yeah. Think you spoke really well about the music. It, it doesn't distract you. It doesn't take you away. It just kind of guides you along. Just little. little. Yeah, that's that's sometimes that's what I want a score to do. I do love a good dramatic, just out there score that's almost takes over the movie. But with Rounders, we don't need that. We don't need it. We're focused on the game.
1: Yeah, every every movie that works has every piece working the way it should be to make the best product imaginable.
0: Yeah, and sometimes the stars align, and we don't know it till years later.
1: Yep, yep. And those are the best movies.
0: Yeah, we talk about that all the time. We love those movies, those late bloomers. And Roderick's is a bit of a late bloomer, I think. It. Well, we talked about that on *Scarface*. You know, the '80s, '90s has the the video. You know direct-to-video, whatever, you know, go to the, go, go rent it at the, you know, Blockbuster, wherever you go, Hollywood video, you know, just pick some stuff out and watch it, uh, depending on who you like, what actors you like, directors you like, what looks interesting, what kind of genre you like, so, I, I love that, you know, part of me wishes I could have lived through that, um, like, hanging with, hanging with the buddies, put the fucking VHS in, uh, you know, hanging out with, like, you know, your college friends or something. Again, playing poker, watching rounders. That sounds really cool. I, I try not to take for granted the how easy we have it now as movie movie fans. But it would be neat to almost, uh, you have to deal with your choice when you go rent something. This is what you chose. Deal with it. I, it is weird, like, as
1: an audience member. there There's no more consequences for the audience. You know, if you don't like what you picked, fucking yep. turn it off and go to Hulu. Like there's yep. no there's no more. I like I remember being upset as a kid. Like I rented a movie and I didn't like it, and I just had to deal with that. I had to wait till I you know my mom would take me to Blockbuster the next week to return this and get something else.
0: Exactly, that's exactly right. I I do. There's something about that that is uh, challenging. I think it affects your development way differently than how we do things now, and, and I I think. The week to week thing, well, well, that's how I was too as a young kid. It would be, it would usually be uh, between my older brothers Jeremy and Jeremy and Adam and myself. We would choose maybe like two movies in a video game each week that we could like. We'll get a game on PlayStation Two or GameCube or whatever, and like pick a couple movies. And so we'd kind of like have to decide together. And sometimes it would be like, all right. My mom would be like, you guys can't decide. Austin, you pick a movie, Jeremy pick a movie, Adam, you pick the game. That kind of thing. And so if I picked a movie that they didn't like, they'd be like, you see, you idiot. You know, like, fucking moron. Like you picked a movie that sucks. And, and and like, but you dealt with that until you went again the next Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. And you made a choice again. But you had to kind of live and and almost dwell on that particular movie, no matter, no matter what happened. There's something really cool about that. Cause you have to kind of live in it.
1: Well, it was just it was just my mom and I. So she would get a movie and I'd get a movie. Perfect. And you mentioned that it like affects your development. I would I would I I got so many duds that eventually I stopped renting new things. I would only rent movies I liked and mm. watch those on repeat. And that was who I was for a good chunk of my life. Was I didn't really explore stuff I wasn't comfortable with. I would stay with the movies I loved and just watch those on repeat, and that's why like back to the future roger rabbit and fucking aladdin are like burned into my fucking brain
0: yeah yeah i i I love that too because now and we were talking about this last night yeah i believe we're you 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 had watched back to the future you went and see it saw in theaters And, and when something's a part of your dna and you have you've done the repetition of watching it over and over and over at all different ages, all walks of, you know, stages of life. You don't know. You don't know. You got to keep doing it because you don't know when it's going to remind you of like why you enjoy like being alive. And that's so important. So I will never, I I rewatch the shit out of stuff because whether it's the fourth time or the 40th time rewatching something, you just don't, you just don't know. And I, that excites me just as much as watching something new personally. I think a lot of people feel differently. They just want to consume as much shit as like, I've never seen this. I want to have an opinion on it. So I'm going to watch it and like you know tweet about it and like and then it's over. And like then their their journey with that thing is over. And they're just like, eh, whatever. I'll move on to the next new thing. Whereas I think you and I are connected in the way that the conversation is between like ourselves. It's how can I get to know Roger Robert better? And better and better. And how how much do I like it at age 15 to 25? Well, I like it just as much, <laughs> you know. This is going to sound corny, but this is really the way I view this stuff.
1: It's like a relationship. And relationships take work. You have to gr- work on it constantly. You have to realize, you know, what's going to change here when I watch this for this, t- you know, for like the 1500th time. I've changed as a person lately. Yep. It- Yep. And am I going to be am I going to approach this differently this time? And oftentimes I find I do. And there's something new for the conversation, something new that I can have about this movie that I've watched since I was a kid. And that's amazing. But then also, you know, going in blind on something, you know, a friend recommended or something you just, you know, randomly selected. There's a thrill in that that is unmatched. And it's all part of the dance. It's, it's a delight.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. How, how did we get here? I don't remember. <laughs> Blockbuster? I think yeah. Renting. Oh, Rounders, Rounders Late Bloomer video. We talked about on Scarface. Yeah. Picking picking new movies It's like fuck you, you're not you're, you're not doing what I want so I'm going to watch movies that I've seen 100 times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I still do that. <laughs> I still still rewatch movies that I'm totally obsessed with and I either become more obsessed with them or I'm like, "Oh, you know what? I don't like this as much as I did when I was 15." That's okay. You can still love it. You might not love it as much as you did. You need to allow, you need to allow, like you said, allow yourself to grow, allow yourself to grow in the relationship with the movie. It's pretty cool. It's fun. I I love it. I enjoy the shit out of it. Uh, And Rounders is one of those that has held my hand and has not let go. And I ain't letting go either. I don't see how I'm never going to, how I'm never going to like be obsessed with this movie. I don't, I don't see how that's possible because it feels mature enough for when I'm like 50. I'm like, yeah, I fucking love rounders. You know, I, I can just, I can just tell there might be some out there that I feel, feel differently about that. I rewatch over and over, but I feel like rounders is one it, it's, it's here to stay. Uh, so we did a little music talk. Um, I feel like the more organic thing to do. Cause we haven't really gone into our favorite parts of the movie. um, Shit, what do you want to do first? Quote? You want to talk about some quotes or, or, or get some scenes out on the table?
1: I got to say, after like two years of Oscar Sunday, it does feel natural
0: to do scene last. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It do, it kind of depends. Yeah, yeah, I do think scene is best last usually. <laughs> I do think like the new way we do this, I feel, I feel like there's a freedom in depending on the movie – Especially if the cast is a little bit smaller, you want kind of want to get the performance thing out of the way, so you can just all right. We know that we know we know you love you love Norton. I mean, we love everybody, but you really love Norton, and I really love Damon in this movie. We know that it makes it easier to talk about the rest of the movie, if that makes sense. Whereas some other ones, it might be best if that's later. Uh, so yeah, let's let's fucking let's let some quotes fly. Let's go. I I think
1: this movie has one of the best opening quotes in movie history. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Mike McDermott. Listen, here's the thing. If you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table,
0: then you are the sucker. And then and then the screen goes to black and you just see rounders. All lowercase. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's perfect. I I love that. It's, th- it's such a great life lesson too. Like if you know, if you can't figure out who's getting played here, you're the one getting played. Like that's a fantastic way to, you know, just be aware of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he the, the the narration in this movie. Sometimes I hate narration, but God, it fucking works in this movie. I love when he does the uh, like when he he like quotes something, like he he takes a quote from a book or something. And this is a quote from a gambling maxim. He says, "You can shear sheep many times, but you but you can skim him only once." <laughs> it's the, fucking great. The narration feels to me almost like it's lifted from a film
1: noir. Like yeah. oh
0: oh dude, this movie has some noir. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's playing. Yeah. He, he. Damon plays this like he's fucking you know, bogey in the Maltese Falcon. It's awesome. It was a great choice.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the reviews that came out right when the movie came out from like the big people, you know, uh, from from different hu- huge you know, uh, blogs and whatnot, were pretty negative about the movie. The one of the guys who loved this movie, right off the gate, was Ebert. Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars and talked a lot about the noir feel to it. And that Damon does feel like he's conjuring up some of the old like time greats. So you and Roger on the same page.
1: That's fine. I didn't, I never read that review. I did not know (laughs) that. That's fucking
0: awesome. Yeah. Roger, Roger was a, was one of the only people who went to bat for this movie. Like right when it came out in 1998, he was one of the only like big time critics that was like, Hey, this is pretty good. Three out of
1: four stars for Ebert is good. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, that's cool. Yeah, I have a, yeah. I have mixed feelings about Ebert. I think he was a bit harsh on some good stuff, and also way too lenient on a lot of shit. But there was a lot of middle ground, sweet spot reviews that he was pretty spot on with. I, yeah, I, I love him
0: because of his his contribution, his willingness to just share his 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 thoughts because that's obviously what we like to do, and how important he made everything feel. Yeah, yeah, There was uh, that. every the,
1: movie got the same
0: treatment. It, yes, yeah. I mean, there would be reviews for movies where he'd be like one and a half star, but he would just fucking go into it. And, it. and you'd be like, is this a negative review? Or like, you know, it's like he still had a good time at the theater. You know, I'm like, oh, I love that. I love that glass half full attitude about, look, I'm talking about watching movies, but also this thing's not very good. Yeah. I love that. I fucking love that. He's the reason I
1: wanted to do this. Like, I wanted this whole damn show to basically be, you know, Siskel and
0: Ebert at the movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they're they're the trendsetters, man, as far as talking about movies, taking it seriously while also having fun. They, they invented two thumbs up. Like, that was them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. another, another, another great quote, Teddy KGB. He beats me straight up. Pay him. Pay that man his money, <laughs> and everybody's like, "Should we kill him?" And he's like, "No, no, no!" Like, it's so such a great bit. That scene is—I mean, that whole that whole game is so fucking sick. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that.
1: In a bit. Yeah, um, I so I buy a lot of uh pop culture T shirts. So my you know targeted ads and whatnot on Facebook are always you know a lot of T shirts. And there's this one T-shirt that keeps popping up in the suggestions, and it's Teddy KGB with the line, pay that man his money, but every other word, every other letter is a Y. So it's like, pay that man his money. <laughs> it's a fucking Russian accent.
0: <laughs> like, like, like it's a fucking uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> oh uh, that's great uh in my club i will splash the pot whenever the fuck i please oh <laughs> uh, he's on 10 11 i mean just like he's off the fucking charts in that that whole last scene he's unbelievable it's hysterical like i can't tell if he's
1: like fucking with him or like genuinely into it and then you know the oreos and then he's oh, okay so he's taking this seriously
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, man. He's he's very, very serious. I I love I love uh I love when a, a movie a sports movie or whatever, you know, in this case for poker, it, it makes you realize that the movie and the characters care about the content, about the game, about poker. And I love when Mike McDee says to Joe, his girlfriend, why do you think the same five guys make it to the final table of the World Series of Poker every year? What? Are they the luckiest guys in Vegas? No. It's a skill game, Joe. Fuck yeah. It's so cool. Cause again, it, it goes all the way back to if you're really, if you're, if you're okay, you know how to read stuff. You know how to, uh, you know what everything adds up to. You know, you know that this, this hand's better than that hand. You know when you have a really good hand, when you're really good at the game, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter what you have or he has. It's about playing, playing the table, playing, making the smartest decision.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. I wish I had that power.
0: Like oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, you gotta play you gotta you gotta play a lot to yeah. to read people and read different kinds of people and yeah, live it. Yeah. Yeah. And he
1: Mike McDee lives it, baby. Oh yeah. One of my favorite exchanges is between him and uh, Petrovsky when mm. Petrovsky's telling him about how he ended up not becoming a rabbi. And he tells him that like, you know, it was a hard decision, but it was the right one. And it ended up you know, ruining his relationship with his family. And Mike says, if you had to do it all over again, knowing what would happen, would you make the same choice? And Petrovsky goes, what choice? What choice? Oh, oh, dude. Yes. And then he follows it with the last thing I took away from the yeshiva was this. We can't run. We can't run from who we are. Our destiny chooses us. Oh, that is some profound man. shit that I really, really needed to hear right now. You know, I recently made a, a life decision that turned out to be a huge mistake and it's kind of thrown me for a loop and made me question my future quite a bit. So that that exchange was good to hear. Made me think like, what I'm supposed to do, clearly I haven't found it yet. And I, when I find it, I'll know. It won't be a choice.
0: Oh, God. That's that's great, man. I- Movies, uh, they find you when you need, when, you know, you, you know, you can go looking, right? You can go looking for something, but you never know. And you probably didn't know when you were like, oh, I'm going to turn on rounders. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I always seem to find that shit exactly
0: when I need it. Yeah. It's like the it movies. Happens. It's like the movies are rewarding you for watching them over and over. It does yeah. like that. Hey, here's a, yeah. He, you watched uh, 10 movies in the past week. Here's a, I'm going to give you a hand. You know, I'm going to help you out. I feel that way a lot, feel that way a ton when I, and you're like, Oh yeah, this is why I do it over and over and over every fucking day. <laughs> yeah. But you fill up, you know, you, 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 fill up the punch card
1: and now you get a lesson.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Fill the punch card. Yeah. Here's a free fucking scoop of ice cream. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. um I love uh, Mike McDee. It's another one of my favorite scenes. Is when he goes to the like judges and lawyers when they're all playing each other. They all suck. And he's you know he's like, oh, there's no real players here. But then he calls out exactly what's going on. And they're like, bullshit, you don't know what's going on. He's like, yeah, I do. And he's like, you were looking for that third three, but you forgot that Professor Greenfold was on 4th Street, and now you're representing that you have it. The DA made his two pair, but he knows they're no good. Judge Kathleen was trying to squeeze out a diamond flush, but he came up just short, and Mr. Eisen is futilely hoping uh that his queens are going to stand up. so like i said the dean's bet is 20 dollars. <laughs> fuck yeah he just reads the entire table and they're all like god damn it you know this kid's smart you know and i, I love that scene because it's-, it's damon being damon in that scene really certainly about mike mcdee it's about damon just like i can talk fast <laughs> yeah it reminded me very much of, of goodwill hunting that bit yep oh yeah yeah i mean he's always been so good that's why like some of his his scenes in born you're like this guy's I forgot he's not just like an action star here. He's like a damn good actor.
1: I gotta watch those again. It's been so long since I watched the Born Man. Yeah, I
0: I, I I love I I really do. Especially uh I um I don't know, identity and supremacy I've, I've always those two have always been my favorite. But I do like Ultimatum. Uh I just think he's so easy to watch. So easy to root for, you know. So I I, I love him.
1: Yeah, it is it is weird. Like I know he's not, you know, I know he's a fucking millionaire, but I don't know. Like I trust. Like if I had kids, I trust him to babysit them. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Like Matt David, yeah. I can count on him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Edward Norton. Probably not.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want Norton anywhere near my imaginary kids.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, here's, here's a good one from, from Turturro. Uh, The, the Christy Turlington quote. Uh, Kanish says, I'm listening. What do you need? 500, a grand. No. I need, I need fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen, yep. <laughs> well, I need a blowjob from Christy Turlington. Get the fuck out of here. Fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. Yeah, I love his whole exchange where he's like, you know, I got to say no to you. Like, I'm here to pay my rent to feed my kids. Like, I can't give you fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. Like, if you need me to call to buy you some time, I can do that. But I got to say no to you.
0: Like, so yeah. so good oh man uh like my uncle my uncle Les used to say when the money is gone it's time to move on so enjoy you secret handshaking assholes <laughs> oh that's that's worm worm just has some some great stuff i mean yeah you can go through the whole movie there's just fun quotes everywhere
1: that ace could not have helped you you're right teddy the ace didn't help i flopped the nut straight yes <laughs> you trapped so me <laughs>
0: yeah every night check 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 <laughs> if alligator blood can't get rid of him
1: <laughs> it's like it's it's like he's out of a fucking cartoon he doesn't feel like a real person he's not he's like the final boss of street fighter or some shit <laughs> like it's just yeah okay teddy kgb like there's no way <laughs> like this guy watched a russian gangster movie and based his entire persona around that
0: yep it's, it's unbelievable yeah i it's, it's it's so good he's great he's great in the first scene too uh, right right at the very beginning you're just like oh man this guy like this guy seems quite powerful but also I love I love how Teddy is about the game as well he's not just like oh I lost so therefore like we're just gonna like shoot you and like you know it's too bad he he he's like pay him. like he he fucking just beat me uh I love when he beats him you know what does he win five grand or whatever or something you know at, at first and then he's like yeah run away you know like from last time I, you know, I fucked you. He starts fucking, like, humping. He starts humping.
1: So uh, he reminds and, him that, like, I I beat, like, I'm beating you with your own money. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So good. <laughs> Brings him back in. Oh, man. Up the blind. You're like, yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I love those two scenes are obviously, ob- you know, we're, we're, we're bleeding into a scene here. But those are clearly two of the best scenes in the movie is when Malkovich is just. on on one
1: yeah he's another you know heat check guy who did i think you know probably his best work in the 90s uh obviously you know being john malkovich is hilarious and insane but like you ever see in the line of fire
0: yeah good call he's
1: terrifying in that he's so fucking ahead of everybody he's a genius it's a good plan like damn malkovich
0: (laughs) yeah he yeah he's he's incredible you know what I what i what i one of my favorite things he's ever done is is uh at the beginning of Burn After Reading, oh. he he he's fucking hilarious. Osborne
1: Cox, yeah. <laughs> this he's... is a crucifixion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has one of my all time favorite Coen Brothers lines in that movie, and it's when he gets accused of having a drinking problem. And he's like, "Yeah, what? you're a Mormon. Compared to you, we all have a drinking problem." <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah beautiful that's one of his like top 10 best
0: man <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm just obsessed with that that performance uh doesn't need a lot again it's a heat check kind of guy i mean yeah he's great he's great he's great in everything he fucking pops up in even even in um a movie i didn't love uh, what was it we watched for um uh places in the heart oh yeah. we watched that for for oscar sunday even then, I like didn't love the movie, but I was like, he was awesome. <laughs> he's he's always he always brings it. Him and Dimitri Turo, man, they can't they don't let you down. You know when um when Sam
1: Raimi was prepping Spider Man Four back in like two thousand nine, Malkovich was gonna play the Vulture.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Yeah, I wonder what that would have been like.
0: I think I think that's really cool. Damn, I I feel like he would have crushed that. Yeah, he's he's getting old, man. He's almost seventy years old. Like it's really wild. He was doing a one-man you know,
1: show at the Majestic not too long ago. I, I should
0: have gone to that. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. How could we, how could we forget Conair? You know, or, or you brought, you brought up Con Yeah, uh, no, no, I didn't. I, yeah, no, I, I was going to. Uh, yeah, I, f- I figured. I, I couldn't remember if you had just just mentioned it or not. But yeah, I mean, come on, everyone in Conair is fucking awesome.
1: Cyrus <laughs> the virus, what a yeah. distant no. bastard. Yeah.
0: yeah, he's great. He's great, and a lot of the lines are from those these two scenes in Rounders. A lot of the great lines are from him. Yeah, yeah,
1: excellent, excellent, uh, bit. Obviously, you know, in a poker movie, the big climactic game is going to be like you know the the centerpiece. It's going to be the scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was I was wondering. So aside for obviously we love that scene. Aside from that, what other? you know, like set pieces or or games in the movie, or do you find the best Binghamton? Yeah, dude. So good. (laughs) I love, I love that whole, that whole run is unbelievable. Yeah. They've got a good chunk of change. They're on their way
1: to being able to pay back grandma and they go to this game out, you know, off the beaten path, five hours away, loaded with cops and like teamsters and shit. And they try to pull a fast one, and some guy sees that Worm's cheating, and it fucks up everything. It's it's a great scene, and he, they take all their cash. They they fuck them up. That's it. It's over.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they're yeah, yeah, yeah. It's set up so well because I think he tells him Worm tells him that they're not cops, but they're um, it's the word he uses. He 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 doesn't use exactly the term cops. He he says. You know these guys; they all get paid, and they, you know, on the on their paycheck day, they all hang out and play games, play cards, and so they pull up or whatever. And, and McDermott's like, "Jesus Christ, they're all cops! <laughs> like, like, oh my God, what are we doing here?" And he's like, "Ah, well, we're already here, so let's fucking, you know, let's go in." He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa no, no, no! I'm like, you're you're gonna go hang out for eight hours while I play straight up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna win this money." He's like, oh, "I guess I'll find a fucking bowling alley," <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know? Uh and he, you know, Mike McD goes in, yeah, he's killing it, dude. He's he's doing his thing, he's playing. He he introduces himself the right way. He's like, hey, you know, I I know I know your uncle, da-da-da. Like, let's, you know, I, I want to play. I heard you all have some games. Like, yeah, pull up, you know, we playing 2040 stud. Come on, like sit down. And he's doing his thing. Mike McD is is like, for as far as we know as the audience, he's fucking back, baby. Like Mike McD is back, he's playing, he's on his game, he's gonna fix this debt. And then Worm meets someone at the bowling alley. He's like, hey, this guy said he likes to play cards. And Mikey D immediately, he has that. He can't show it, but he has that look of like, fuck me.
1: It's a great bit of performance in Damon's eyes where he's just like screaming with his eyes. Like I told him to wait in the fucking bowling alley. It's perfect.
0: And yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant scene. Uh, and the way they find out, you know, he's like, that's, you know, he, he's like, you got a hanger, you know, uh, that one guy's just watching him. And then, you know, I think it must be like the chief or something comes up. He's like, you boys professionals, you know, like what's going on here? He's like, well, let's let the cards do the talking. And sure enough, he has three sevens. <laughs> You're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs>
1: uh, I love hey, it. Mike the shit tries he to be like, hey, I was winning before this guy showed up. Like he tries to distance himself, but they're not buying it.
0: Yeah, no way. It's too It's too good to be true. Uh. Yeah, and then, and then that's I mean that's it. You know, then Mike McDee has to take over his own destiny here because he vouched for Worm, and Worm's like, "It's highway time, baby." <laughs> he like holds up the keys, like, "I'm out of here. I'm not like I'm I'm running away. I'm leaving leaving New York." And Mike McD's like, "I can't I can't do that. I like I can't." And that's you know the biggest turning point of the movie is when he goes back to Grandma and is like, "I vouched for the wrong guy." You know, I. Hopefully you'll hopefully you'll believe in me and I, I can get this done. And Grandma's like, Jesus, why'd you stand up for that idiot? <laughs> and Yeah, it's true. I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't vouch for Worm. Uh, he's a fucking snake. Well, I like how the movie
1: never like backtracks that decision. Like Worm never shows up in the nick of time and be like, "I'm here to back you up," or like, "You know, I'm going to get you out of this." He fucks off, and that's it. Yeah,
0: that's it. That's literally the last time we see him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mike is trapped in a huge debt because he vouched for this. Selfish prick who abandoned him at the first sign of trouble.
0: Yeah, and it's great. Yeah,
1: it's it's honest. Yeah, like it. and in in the end, yeah. you know, Mike does end up exactly where he was at the beginning of the movie with three
0: stacks at high society. High society. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. I love I love how the math works out. You know, he wins sixty thousand, but he owes this amount to this guy, and he owes the ten grand to uh, Martin Landau, and he owes five to the or six to the uh, to the other club that. Where he to, so what I'm left with is we, we really do the math. It's twenty nine thousand dollars and basically thirty grand. That's three stacks, baby. And he, and what does he do? He goes to Vegas. You know, it's so cool. Uh, it's it's awesome. It's such a great ending to it. You know, a nice honest movie. And I love when he, when <laughs> he gives the like envelope of money to Joe, his ex girlfriend now, and she's like, she she could be like, fuck you, you're an animal. <laughs> You know, like you don't know how to fucking change your life around and she's just like, Well, if you need a lawyer, call me. And he's like, I will. (laughs) It's like All right, this relationship is stupid, but whatever.
1: (laughs) I don't care who it was, if I owed somebody ten thousand dollars, I'm not resting until it's I put it in their hand personally.
0: Oh dude, yeah, I'm not trusting her. Are you kidding me? No way. No. No way. Um, Ten ten grand, yeah.
1: No. But um yeah, he doesn't learn anything. He's never like, you know, jaded by this whole experience or like broken or anything. It's like, "Ah, eh, you know, we win some, you lose some, and now I'm back up. Now I'm now I'm ahead."
0: Yeah, and, and the reality is these people exist. These people are everywhere. I I just ran into a guy. I was at I was I was working. This guy comes up and he's wearing a uh uh uh, uh, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Penguins a ho- hockey T shirt. So I just kind of asked him about that. I'm like, huh, you know, hockey season's you know three weeks in, or so. I'm like, oh, you know, how, how are you feeling? You know, you you've been watching a lot, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, I love hockey. I'm, I'm from up there. I moved here a few years back. Da You know, we're just bullshitting or whatever. And he's like, hey, do you do you like to uh, you like to gamble at all? Said, yeah, but like I try not to. You know, <laughs> you know, do that whole bit. And he's, like, well, do you like ever play cards? And I was like, no, nah, not really. You know. Not really, you know, i I should stay away. And he's like, Well, I'm just saying, man, like, have you ever been to the uh SA, I think it's card card house, SA Card House, which is on uh 21 in Redland Road. I know where that is in yeah. San Antonio. I've never been because I know if I walk in, I'm like never gonna leave. And uh he's like, Oh, if you ever go there, man, like I'm there all the time. Like I go there, I go there a ton. He's gonna like, go to other game houses around around Texas. And I was like, Oh, like for a living? He's like, Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh. So you like gamble for a living? He's like, yeah. He's a guy. He's a guy play. He's a guy play poker. And I was like, Jesus, these people like exist everywhere. And you met fucking, around her. Yeah, I, in <laughs> San Antonio, Texas, this guy goes around. He said mainly to Dallas. He's like, and I'll play. You know, I'll go to game houses and, and and just and just play. And that's what I do. Like, he's like, a guy. Right. Some nights, you know, I was like, well, like, how much money do you make? He's like, not a ton, but he's like, I get by, man. You know, I like, pay my rent, pay my bills, and he's like, John Furturo, dude. He's Kanish. I met Kanish. <laughs> I met Kanish and he's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
1: <laughs> uh, That's fu- When was this? Was, like, was this recently? Like
0: while we this were like around This is like a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. I was like, wow. I want to talk to him more, but some other fucking, you know, you know where I work. There's like that little gap right there where I always talk to you. Yeah. He was right there. We were talking right there. And some other fucking idiot kept like, excuse me, excuse me. And I was like, God damn it. I want to keep talking to this guy but i had to help someone else and he was like all right man like i'll, I'll see you around he's like i come to say a lot so i was like cool i'd love to hear more you know fucking san antonio Kanish. <laughs> that's fucking insane the odds
1: that that would happen while we're prepping this movie
0: yeah crazy I know. insane <laughs> you know i started looking things up i was like man yeah, i mean jesus there's people who just that's what they do did you like mind.
1: did you want did you accidentally like run into like a hyper aggressive cuban immigrant when we were prepping scarface and just forgot to tell me about it <laughs>
0: <laughs> no 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 i didn't that'd be awesome though
1: <laughs> that's nuts man that's cool that's, yeah it was really
0: it cool. was really cool it, yeah yeah and I, I was texting someone else about it and this is insane uh, this is gonna be hard for some listeners to believe so adam who's been on the show plenty of times now he used to coach at a school in st louis and i lived there in st louis with him for a while, for, for a year and there was one kid <clears throat> um can I remember his name? He didn't. He, he didn't play basketball. He played football. Uh, but so Adam didn't coach him directly. But he was always around the school. And I would always go to my brother's games. And like this kid, he just had this like kind of like almost arrogant confidence about him. Arrogance about him. I was kind of like, huh, who is this kid? Is this kid in fucking high school? And come to come to find out, this is insane. We're talking to some other people that we met from St. Louis, and I said, hey, whatever happened to that one guy? Uh, I'm actually, I, I do know his name. I'm not going to say it on here just out of, you know, for 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 him. Uh, I don't really know him. I know of him. But he lives in San Antonio and also plays poker for, for a living. This guy who went to a high school seven, eight years ago that Adam coached at now lives here and plays games for a living. I'm like, what the fuck? I found this out a few months, like two or three months ago from, from these guys that I, I talked to a lot. Uh, from st louis and i was like are you kidding me like that guy and they're like oh yeah he's like all about it like he like makes a ton of money plays poker like all over texas i'm like what the fuck so here here in the past two three months i've met two ra- or met one rounder and found out this other guy that i you know know of from st louis missouri is also a rounder in texas what the fuck you've
1: got all the makings of a very interesting poker game like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> You could make <laughs> make something really neat happen here if you really wanted to.
0: <laughs> Dude, I mean, what in the world? I I, I I I want to like talk to these people more. It's so fascinating to me that people do this for a living.
1: Yeah, I wish I was that confident in my abilities to like where that's literally like where my rent money comes from is fucking poker. I mean, god damn, that'd be amazing. Yeah. And kind of sad, but you know, amazing too.
0: Yeah, I I, I I I love it, man. I, it's it's a fascinating world, a dark world, a sad world, but also, fuck it, man. If that's how you make your bread, go for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I admire that. I admire that that kind of uh, skill. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's there. What I really want to know, because I don't know much about. it, I'm sure I could look stuff up online, but I really want to hear like a, from an individual who's in it. And so if that guy comes back, the penguins guy, if he comes back to where I work. I want to talk to him about what what exactly because I know Texas has certain laws about gambling and playing games. I want to know like what like what can you win? What can you can you just play anything? Like what what are the rules? So I would like to know like how do you get around this? Because yeah, I mean, these places, man, they're they're popping up. I and mean, there's one that that area 281 in Redland. It's like next to a like restaurants, like a ramen place is like this game house. It's really really weird.
1: Well, I bet there's like you know there's the games and then there's the game, in the back.
0: Of course, like, right? Yeah, yeah, always. You can always find games, but but it, this guy was talking about it like, yeah, I mean it's it's totally legit. Like I, this is what I do. Like I go to public places, have a drink, play some games, win some money, and go home. <laughs> awesome.
1: Yeah, I wonder how that goes. Like, how do you how do you bypass the gambling laws with that? I want.
0: Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm. of course, now that we're, you know, I should have looked into it before we recorded, but when we stop, I'm definitely going to be reading about poker in Texas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, then, you know, we'll do like, I don't know, California Sweet or something, and then we can talk about it again.
0: Yeah. I mean, have you seen that movie?
1: California Split. My mistake.
0: Yeah. I, I knew what you are saying. Yeah, yeah. Robert Altman. Yeah. I have
1: not yet seen it. I saw Mississippi Grind. I really like that. I like Mississippi Grind. I think it's underrated. Yeah. I, I have not explored Altman properly. I, he's a director I still I still have to tap into.
0: Okay, I see. I'm I, I'm you know I'm a huge fan, but I, I do think I think I think California Split captures the like super super high and then like the exhaustion of like woof what did I just do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or even or even when you win, you're like, what was that all for? You know, there's like this. Once the thrill is over, obviously, if you win some money, great. But you're just like, man, I just, I, I just like gave myself a heart attack. That's <laughs> it's fast. I think California Split captures that like brilliantly. That addiction and then the kind of like looking in the mirror, what in the world? There's so many great poker movies. There's plenty I haven't seen yet. But um, are there are there any other uh, moments and rounders that 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 you want to shout out before we get out of here? Um.
1: I like uh, after the, the Binghamton game when Mike and Worm finally have it out. Yeah, it's, it's great. Just Mike is like, just lays into him for just being a selfish prick who doesn't care about anything but himself. And Worm's like, so? Fuck it. Like, you know what? You're so noble. And they have like a, a legit argument where they both make some pretty good points. And Worm just takes off.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Mike's got, you know, they, they beat the shit out of both of them. And Mike's, Looks all bruised and shit. he goes to talk to Joe, and it's like, "Yeah, you're not helping your case here with the face like that." Like, I, I love that. Like, yeah, probably, dude. it's all legit as you got
0: the shit kicked out of you. <laughs> yeah, I I, 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 I love that because, yeah, Grandma. We haven't really talked about Grandma. <laughs> what a crazy character. <laughs> oh Jesus, what happened to you? <laughs> He's he's such a slimy New York bastard. You know they're everywhere.
1: Yeah, and it's pretty fucked up that Worm doesn't tell tell Mike the whole situation. He doesn't tell him the whole amount. He doesn't tell him who he's really in the hole with. Like, just God, now, people take friendship for granted so so much in these in, in so many movies. Like shit, if I was in that situation. Like if I owed like 25 grand to a vicious gangster and you were the only one who could help me out, you're goddamn right, you're getting all the information.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Jesus. Yeah. I
1: don't get like the benefit of that. Like, why would you hold all that shit back? Yeah, life? Yeah,
0: that's the that's the thing, is here's the one guy who's like willing to back you. And you're not telling him what's really going on. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Mike McDee is like, ah, oh, here's 800 bucks to get you going. He's like, yeah, come on, I need to, you know, I need to make some scratch. Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, you're holding that on me. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> it's just a fucking, uh oh, god, it's like fucking worm. It's
1: like a walking paper shredder, but only for cash.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it. I love that. <laughs> <sighs> oh man, yeah. I, I mean, you, you go. You could go scene by scene through this whole movie. It's it's just. It's kind of, I guess that's kind of what we did <laughs> <laughs> yeah I adore it um and this movie it's very important to me so it's really cool to be able to tackle it properly we've we've wanted to do it for a long time really really go after it and have some fun with it so this has been great 25 years is incredible absolutely incredible uh it's weird that it's only three years younger than us that's that's odd does, does it feel like it's older than us like how do you or do you feel like it's the proper proper age gap I I could date this movie it'd be fun yeah <laughs> great answer <laughs> all right before we get out of here I want to do our, our last segment what's in the box what's in the fucking box Give me the gun. all right first review here is uh the artist soon to be known as blank okay uh this is a (laughs) you can't make this shit up Letterboxed, uh two and a half star review i think they use this version of matt damon to make the team america puppet (laughs) 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 there 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 were times in this movie where i could have sworn he was made entirely of plastic
1: matt damon yeah (laughs) fuck
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i haven't seen that in years me that's that's why i threw it out there uh (laughs) Let's see. Uh, this is next one is Nora. Yeah, Nora. Two star review. Uh, yeah. Still don't understand poker at all. Also, it included, <laughs> it included John Malkovich hip thrusting. I.e., something I never want to see again. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I I'm okay with it. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's hilarious.
1: That's funny. I do love the like, yeah, I still don't fucking understand poker. <laughs> that's,
0: that's valid. Oh, it, it it does not fucking spell it out. It does not tell you like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is what this means. Uh, You just, yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, you can tell obviously by the reactions, like who won and who didn't, but you're still like, wait, what did he have? <laughs> what was in his hand? Yeah. It doesn't even tell you what a rounder is. You just kind of have to figure it out for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically, which is which is also great. I love that. I love I love when Norton says, hey, at least you're rounding again. <laughs> uh, it's great. I love when the, the title of the movie is cleverly put into the to the film. Uh, last one. This is positive. Ben Gumble. Five-star review. This is cool because we kind of talked about some of the stuff earlier. It feels like I just went and grabbed a drink with an old friend who I hadn't seen for a very long time. As we talked, I began to realize how much I missed and missed the sound of their voice. And I remember why our friendship is so important to me. We've been friends for what seems like forever, but it was not until now that I just realized uh, I, how I just uh, just now realized how I truly understand them and how much I love them. The last time I watched Rounders was nearly three years ago. I sat there reciting the script word for word and kind of hated myself for doing it. I felt like I almost knew the film too well to truly enjoy it anymore. It was then that I vowed to take a significant break from watching the movie I had spent a large portion of my life calling my favorite film of all time. I watched it tonight for the first time in three years, and guess what? I sat there reciting the script, word for word. Having the time of my fucking life. Rewatch your favorite movies, and don't fool yourself into thinking you shouldn't.
1: That's fucking kismet, man! God damn!
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> love that review, Ben Gumble. Shout out to you. That's my favorite review of rounders on the entire website of Letterboxd. I totally agree. I totally understand what he's saying. <laughs> we fuck yeah. I like, unscripted, unsolicited,
1: just started talking about that exact shit. That's wow. This is a weird
0: episode for coincidences. Yeah. Good shit, man. Uh, yeah, I I, lo- I love reviews like that that are just yeah, like hey, r- remember to like enjoy your life. <laughs> you <laughs> know. Like, have some fun. God damn it. You deserve it. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. You know, there, there's some funny positive reviews that are just kind of like, you know, check, 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 you know, or like they're just quoting the movie or whatever. And, and I love all that stuff. But I, I read through a ton of them, the, the like five story reviews. And I was like, this one, like this one's speaking to me. So I wanted to use it. I love the negative rev- reviews, but occasionally you'll see one that just kind of speaks to your heart.
1: Sometimes you got to accentuate the positive, as the man said.
0: Yes, yeah, totally agree. Oh, this has been a blast thank you all for listening uh if you like what we do feel free to follow us on social media facebook twitter instagram letterboxd uh search connor 95 on there you can follow uh, pretty much everybody on the team and his uh followers or following on his profile uh check out filmgasm.com for trailers articles all kinds of stuff reviews uh if you'd like to become a monthly donor to filmgasm productions feel free to click on the link in the episode description from there, click on support this podcast. Any amount of donations will go right back into the show because that's all we care about. Thanks to the entire Film Gasm team for their contributions. Special shout out to Cooly Cow for the awesome theme music. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Keep rounding, keep watching movies, and we'll see you very soon.